You're listening to a preview of a premium episode of Champagne Sharks. To get access to this premium episode, as well as the full archive of back premium bonus episodes, go to patreon.com forward slash Champagne Sharks. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Champagne Sharks and sign up for only $5 a month. For only $5 a month, you get this and every other premium bonus episode, meaning double the content. It's a great deal. And without further ado, here is the preview. Now, next question is, um, there's a long intro here. I'm going to skip that and just get to the, to the what comes closest to a question. I had a total mental crisis on Twitter last night. No one else I know even sort of cares about this shit, so it is getting vomited out to you. More caveats. I know Twitter isn't politics. It's a tiny fraction of the world, and nothing there should really count for much. I know that I could just stop reading it and never think about it again. And after last night, that is what I intend to do. All that being said, I believe that some of what has been driving me nuts lately bleeds into the wider culture. There is a pattern to left Twitter, or really the left in general. Someone posts an idea or pushes back against someone else's idea, and there is a rush to clog up the conversation, instead of actually engaging. Unfortunately, this clogging usually starts with the list of privileges that the person has. Even if that person represents the minority group that is being quote-unquote defended. So you have someone like Katie Halper, who I think is one of the most level-headed, even tempered leftists on Twitter, getting dragged down for not being a real feminist, or Leslie Lee III being lectured on white privilege by a white guy. These are the most extreme examples, but they are the logical conclusion to this kind of debate. It is so fucking frustrating because they have found a cudgel that is extremely hard to fight back against. There are people who need to reconsider the world around them and their place in it. We need to check the privilege, so to speak. For example, growing up a dirt poor white kid as I did, the world is still open to you in ways it will never be open to other races. You and I both know the other privileges. They cross back and forth between all of us. The last thing I want this to come off as is some white guy complaining about PC culture. That's really not the argument at all, but that is a trap you fall into. My beef is that some people fall back on this on autopilot. You hear it from a cross-section of people, including rich white guys who sit in air-conditioned office all day. For example, from certain corners of the internet, supporting Bernie Sanders is automatically answered with the refrain, the only reason you could support his policies is because you are not going to be affected by Trump's policy. This is said without even a second of thought that maybe the person they are responding to might actually support the policies they do because they believe they will help everyone. So you see it time and time again, any conversation on the left will inevitably be reduced to a back and forth of calling out privileges. It is so frustrating and disheartening. I know you have touched on it, but maybe this could be a topic for a full show. Um, yeah, so this came in uh, July. Like I said, we've been like, very behind. So since this was written, we might have actually um, talked about this 
more fully to this person's um, liking, but I'm going to uh, respond to this anyway. I agree with a lot of what this says, and I feel like my big problem with the calling out privileges thing, like I said in responding to the last article, my first problem is I don't think it goes far enough because it kind of calls out a symptom or an exercising of a bigger problem, which is uh, white supremacy. Like, giving and revoking privileges is something that is just a perk, and it's a perk that is done through the power of white supremacy. There's a difference between power and perks. Perks are privileges, or you can say privileges are are perks. There's a difference between power and privilege. Power and privileges. And privileges are just perks, you know? You can do this. You can go here. You can work here. You can um, be our representative here. You can do this and that. Privileges are just perks. You know, you can get a cab. You can get a loan. Now, power is the ability to dole out and revoke privileges. Sometimes power preserves itself. And this is something that people have to um, really wrap their head about around because it's important. Sometimes power preserves itself by giving up privileges. As in, you know, the natives are getting restless. Let me give them a couple more perks. This will pacify them. That's the cost of doing business. I have to give this up to um, maintain my power base, maintain my advantage. And that's where I think that the, the trick of white privilege discourse is. And that's why some people you'll find will be very, very willing to talk about white privilege all day, but start to bulk when you bring the topic to white supremacy, which is power. They're happy to talk about the perks, but when you talk about giving up the power, that makes them uncomfortable. So, so that alone bothers me about um, too much privilege discourse, you know? But the other thing is, I think a lot of the privilege discourse is very disingenuous. And I'll give a personal example. Uh, when the Star Wars, the last Star Wars movie came out, The Last Jedi, I was talking about reasons I didn't like it. And one of the reasons I didn't like it was I didn't like how the minority characters were portrayed. Like, they were giving the, minor, the minority characters representation, but I felt they were kind of stereotypical in the way that the white characters uh, weren't. And, you know, they, the white characters were kind of presented in a different way. Whereas the um, minority characters were kind of like mascots or tropes, like, like stereotypes. And... One example is the black character, Finn. He's kind of like always bucking his eyes and he's always that kind of comic relief and he's like a coward and he's, and he's, he has kind of a lot of stereotypical traits and there's a lot of physical humor that's done with him, like slapping him around or um, shocking him or tasing him is used as humor. And, you know, it kind of creeps me out, especially in this, you know, day of uh, police violence against black people being so topical, you know, to show um, authority figures uh, tasing 
a black man shown as humor, but I mean, regardless, the there was a character Rose Tico, the Asian character, the Asian female character, and I felt she was kind of like a goofy, nerdy Comic Con Asian girl that they inserted into the a serious scene, a serious role. So when we get introduced to her, she meets um, Finn who was one of the heroes of the last movie. But even though we, in the real world, know him as one of the protagonists and main characters of the first new Star Wars movie in decades, within their universe, she's only known him for a couple of hours. They have much bigger heroes around around her in the Resistance. You know, she's been working in the Resistance for a while, so she knows a lot of fighter pilots. She knows all these people. In her world, Finn shouldn't be as big a deal to her as he is in our world as, you know, one of the heroes of the last movie and one of the first new major movie protagonists in the main Skywalker saga in, in decades. You know, this it, it shouldn't be that way. But she, within the movie, runs up to Finn, who has only been known to the resistance for a couple of hours or so, and who has done just one act of heroism so far and she comes up to him gushing like a fangirl and she's just oh like oh my god you're Finn whatever and you know she's there's this trait that they do in a lot of um geek movies and geek shows now like um in superhero and sci-fi movies they do this thing that where they try to really have a forced perspective character like they have a character that they think in their mind will really resonate with the fans and this character is supposed to be a pander to the fans and supposed to be what the creators imagine the fans to be like and this type of character the trait is called the the trope is called adorkable where the person is just like um geeking out like crazy and they're supposed to be geeking out on camera the way that the creators imagine the fans in the audience to act or be, you know, it's a way to pander to the Tumblr crowd or whatever. So, you know, to give some examples, like on the show The Flash, there's a Cisco Ramon character and he's always like, so cool. Oh my God. Like, you know, this is like the best. And, and they're, they're acting like giant, like fanboys or, you know, so forth. So she was kind of like that. And on top of that, she, they, Dress were kind of frumpy. And this is not an insult to the actress. I'm not saying the actress herself is unattractive. I've seen the actress being herself and dressing herself and at events. And, you know, she, she, she's a perfectly attractive woman. There's, not, there's nothing wrong with her. Don't take this as an insult to the actress. I'm talking about how they present her. They have her dressed like a tomboy and have her looking frumpy. And she has these this weird like almost like anime style hair like and it's not like 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 there's weird hair in star wars in the past they've had like uh princess padme or queen padme i forget and princess leia you know with the buns and everything but that's still kind of feminine and sexy it's just um weird and distinctive but her things are just these weird kind of anime flips like she looks like she's doing some kind of cosplay to some to some character with those with that it looks kind of goofy it doesn't look like as 
iconic and sexy as um the Padme or or Leia hair. And so what I was saying on Twitter was I was saying how you know the white female protagonist even though she's kind of supposed to be like a tomboy and a and a scavenger and a warrior she's still kind of given room to be feminine and sexy like daisy ridley is still clearly meant to be found attractive and to be attractive like like, you know she has skin showing and she um she has more kind of a conventional attractiveness and her hair, her makeup, she she's still in that space of being conventionally attractive, whereas uh, the Asian girl is kind of, she acts goofy, she acts like a fangirl, she acts like, you know, she, uh, she should be throwing up a peace sign and saying uh, kawaii, you know, she, she has like a kind of geekiness to her and a non-threatening attractiveness to her, like she's clearly frumped up in comparison to the white female protagonist i i felt and i was saying that i didn't i kind of didn't like that like um but uh marvel editor a woman editor at marvel uh responded to me and said oh oh so you're judging um women on their um hotness she's saying that she she's ugly whatever and that's a reason you know uh, that makes her less of a person and i was like no i'm not saying that i'm saying that these are the values of the makers of the movie that they make the white people the most sexy the most brave the particularly the white women because you know the white women from leia to that new character haldo to ray you know, the white women are kind of presented, you know, as uh, beautiful, brave, sexy, daring, progressive, you know, and the uh, minorities just like mascots who kind of just mess everything up and, you know, just kind of stooges, you know, the the whole side mission is just pointless. And, and that, that also conveys their attractiveness. Like they are, particularly in the case of the Asian woman, they're, they're presented as frumpier i'm not saying that she actually is an ugly person right but then this other guy jumped in this white liberal guy jumps in he goes um excuse me i don't mean to interrupt but have you um perchance talked to any asian women about this and i was like oh geez like what does that have to do with like whatever but before i could even answer an asian woman interjected and what was interesting was she wasn't just any Asian woman. She was an Asian female artist who does high-profile work for Marvel and DC. She actually does covers and even interiors to some high-profile Marvel and DC books. Because I looked her up and I went on her webpage, and she's in the industry and in a high-profile way. She gets um, work on like major titles, and she said. Actually, I'm an Asian woman, and I agree with him. And me and a lot of my friends were saying the same thing. Like, you know, like, why is our representative, like, looking and acting like this? And that it's kind of like a, kind of like a low-key backhanded on this within the representation. Now, here's what I found interesting, and this is what kind of pissed me off, was 
after she came in, they ghosted. They just smoke bombed. They were gone. They didn't even say anything. They didn't even just give a perfunctory, like a token. Well, you know, thanks for sharing. We'll take that into account. They just disappeared, which goes to show to me, they didn't really even care what Asian women had to say. They just wanted to win the argument or find a way to shut me up or just censor me and keep me from talking. You know, they didn't really give a damn. And Asian women were only worth listening to or talking to to the effect that they could be weaponized to advance their own personal white liberal worldview. And once they weren't backing up their worldview or even worse, going against it, they weren't worth even acknowledging 